When you work in education leadership, you don't get off at five o'clock. Your mind is always on the clock, thinking of ways to solve problems for your students, parents, and teachers. On the Clock is your go-to podcast to learn valuable insights from education leaders across the United States. I'm your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, former White House appointee to the U.S. Department of Education, and we are now On the Clock. Welcome back to On the Clock. I'm your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and uh, today we're still interviewing with some folks live uh, from a conference in Salt Lake City, uh, Jeb Bush's Excellence in Ed conference. And with me now uh, to have a discussion about teacher certification and the assessments that make those happen is Peter Yeager. He is the Director of Professional Educator Programs. Do I have that right? Yep, close enough. Very good. Well, yes. welcome, Peter. And Depends on what time of day it is, you know. <laughs> I mentioned that we're at this conference because uh, it's an interesting conference that blends uh, education leadership, superintendents from the state level. Mm -hmm. I, I've run into a couple of district leaders that I know. Uh, and then a lot of uh, policymakers, legislators from around the country. And I'm, I'm guessing you're here to have some conversations about uh, ETS, Education Testing Services of Correct. America, and your, your principal uh, program, which has been around quite a while, I believe, which is uh, the test, the Praxis test, Correct. that allows teachers to get certified uh, state by state. Correct. Yeah, we've been around doing uh, this test since about 1947 at the start of ETS. And it was, uh, not sure what it was called the first, first few years, but then kind of morphed into the National Teacher Exam, the NTE. And then in the mid-90s uh, became the Praxis program. So we're, and we're in about 40 plus states or territories uh, where Praxis is the main licensure uh, test that uh, these states use to license teachers. I mentioned that you're, you're here, I, I'm guessing, in large part to talk to policymakers and decision makers. Correct. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the debates that's going on is that we have a teacher shortage in the last few years. Uh, I'm guessing that that's we are in, well in, aware. Part, yes. in part because of the, the, the pandemic, but I'm guessing there may be, that may have been a trend that's been around. Yeah, it was. We saw a, kind of a decline in teachers taking the test, which kind of correlates to teachers and teacher prep programs, probably for about 10 years or so. Uh, slow, small declines, but declines nonetheless. And then, of course, when the pandemic hit, boom, um, major problems with the uh, amount of people going into the classroom. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, I know the easy answer was it was just really hard to teach and instruct yep. during the pandemic, but I, to me, it, that seems like a lazy answer. Is there more depth to why that is? I think so. For a long time, we've been, I think, devaluing teachers uh, in the classroom and what they do. There seems to be this kind of conception that, well, I was in a classroom so I know how it is to teach. I know what it's all about. And I think over the course of the, these 10 years or so, we've just not placed a very important um, value on the, on the role of teachers. And that, that kind of manifests itself in a lot of the different ways, whether it's um, legislators or policymakers kind of interrupting what happens in the classroom, teacher pay, respect for teachers, all that's kind of gone down, I think over the past 10 years. And then with the pandemic, all that got exacerbated. So now you have the test. If you, if you go to college, you wanna be a teacher. I'm about to interview a teacher here in about 30 minutes, I'm terrified. Um, you, I'm glad I'm not here for that. You go through school and, you, and to, to get your certification, you have to spend some time in the classroom. Right. And, and the, the sort of culminating event is that you take the praxis and once you pass that you are now a teacher correct yes and, and now we have some people with the teacher teacher shortage suggesting that maybe we ought to do away with with uh 
assessing teachers. Uh, I'm struck by the notion this morning, G Governor Bush mentioned that, you know, we need to start teaching teachers at treating teachers as professionals. Right. Uh, to me, part and parcel of that would be making sure that they are at least on some level of acumen to be able to get in the classroom. Uh, where, where do we go from here with this conversation? So, you know, one of the, one of the things we've noticed since this kind of shortage uh, with the pandemic, we've seen lots of articles about the teacher shortage and what should be done. Um, when they talk to actual teachers, hardly anyone ever references like the teacher licensure tests or the GPA was too high or I had to take certain courses. I mean, they talk about the other things like the pay and the respect. Um, and so the requirements to get in as a teacher seem to be the kind of the low hanging fruit. Of, of what legislators or what policymakers can do, say they've kind of done something, uh, and then hope that the right amount of teachers get into the classroom after that. Do you think that there's a notion, we've been hearing about this for a long time with regards to the classroom, uh, there is a, a body of, of, of educational thought out there that high stakes testing uh, assessments really of, of any kind uh, ought to be watered down a little bit more. Do you think it's only a matter of time before that move to the to the realm of, of teaching professionals? So it's already starting. Um, we've had a lot of states around the country uh, remove a licensure requirements. And not only the licensure assessments is what we deal with, but things like lowering GPA or even degree requirements now to get into the classroom. So it's already happening. And over the last year or so, we've been working in our states to really talk to legislators and policymakers about the value of the assessments and why they're important and what they measure, what they don't measure. Um, but that's, you know, that's already happening. My son scored uh, 1560 on the SAT. And uh, I, I say that because my son scored 1560 on the SAT, but he, um, he, uh, he likes to say that he will, he will talk about the SAT like my grandfather talked about buggy rides. Yep. Do you think that that's true? Yeah, there's, um, there's a tendency, I think, now for the high stakes test to kind of be on the decline. But what we're trying to do, I think, at ETS is not only for the, like the SAT, and we work with the College Board on that program, and we have GRE and TOEFL, TOEIC, Praxis, is to kind of rethink about the exam. So maybe not it's not the high stakes one-time event that they are now, but maybe they're more diagnostic in nature. Maybe they're low stakes um, where a candidate can take them wherever they are. We already are now um, doing a lot of our praxis, praxis exams at home where candidates can take them at home. They're still high stakes. They still need to pass a score. They're still um, proctored. But I think what we're trying to do is make them uh, more applicable to what's happening in the classroom. We, we talk, and I think we get lazy sometimes when we talk about American education as if it's a, a monolithic thing. Are there some states doing it differently than other states? What are some of the extremes? Yeah, I mean, we've seen, uh, <laughs> uh, don't want to necessarily mention uh, the extreme negative states, maybe, sure. but um, there are states that have gotten rid of uh, licensure assessments altogether, uh, lower GPA. Um, a lot of states are trying to do it reasonably with pilot programs. Uh, so maybe if you uh, haven't quite hit the right score or don't have the right GPA, you can still get into the classroom, but there's help for those candidates to get them where they need to go. Uh, we just worked with Alabama, really, um, one of the states I think that's kind of doing it right, um, to say uh, they lowered their score by one standard error of measure. Still set, a, you know, there's a bar, still a standard but it let, let a lot more teachers into their classroom. And then what is great about that is that they're then going to try and give them help after they're in the classroom. 
So it's not just we're letting folks into the classroom that maybe were or weren't qualified, but what happens when they're actually in the classroom after that? I, I mean, I get it, right? There's a teacher shortage. You want to create an, an environment where you have uh, right. an opportunity to, to fill those classrooms with mm -hmm. vital teaching. It seems to me that we are moving toward, and you are leading that movement towards some form of, of middle ground between no test at all right. and, and some form of holding the line on, on quality. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be real, realistic about it, we really get that we need teachers in the classroom, but one of the things that's frustrated me is that we've heard this multiple times from multiple states and multiple types of policymakers, is that we just need a warm body in the classroom. And I think that's incredibly disrespectful to teachers, the teaching profession, and we need, we need people in the classroom, but we need qualified people in the classroom. And so we wanna work with the states to try and find that middle ground where you still have some standards, you still have assessments or GPA or whatever it might be, but yet you can let more teachers into the classroom and get more teachers into the pipeline. I mean, let's face it, the, the, in addition to the teacher shortage, there's a student shortage. Mm -hmm. uh, I talk to district superintendents all the time. They, they've lost, almost all of them have lost students in the last two years. Yeah. Um, promoting the fact that you've got a warm body teaching your children yeah. is hardly not a marketing best, 101. Not the best marketing, no, no, not the best. There's a, the other problem that really is starting to be talked about it, I heard it a little bit here today, um, was, you know, it's great to get all these teachers into the pipeline, but, you know, studies have shown a lot of teachers, I think up to 50% of them leave the classroom within three to five years. So what good is spending all this money to try and get and recruit new teachers, spending all this time and effort, when in three to five years is going to fall out of the pipeline, you know, later on? Yep. So I think besides getting more teachers into the pipeline, we need to talk about what we can do to keep teachers in the pipeline after they're in. I, I just don't think that's being addressed enough, and we're wasting a lot of resources on that. Well, we ha we were pretty lucky in this country with teachers for quite a while um, because of something that was pretty wrong. Uh, we, my mom was a teacher for 42 years. Um, she probably took your test. Um, she was in two we states, can check to see Ohio. How she did I'd tonight. like to actually do that. <laughs> um, and because she couldn't get a job anywhere else, and teaching was really the the, mm -hmm. the one province for women in America. And, and that was a horrible reality, but it, it came with pretty cool results that our teachers were getting some of the smartest women on the planet, teaching yep. them math and reading. Um, and so, you know, today it feels to me like we've got to rethink how we are recruiting teachers. Yep, agreed. Um, and that's a problem wherever we go. Uh, where, you know, like I said, we're in a lot of states and ev all the states are having the same problems with getting teachers into the classroom. So whether they're looking uh, internationally or at different professions to try and recruit them in, um, it's, uh, and you know, we're really underrepresented as far as men go and as far as black and Hispanic teachers. So, I mean, that's a big problem. And that was starting to be addressed prior to the pandemic, this diversity of the teaching force. Um, but since the pandemic, we are hearing less and less about diversity and more about just getting any teachers, we can, anybody we can get into the classroom. So I, I think we still need to be looking at the diversity of our teaching force. That's critical. I think. Getting back to the, the, the middle ground, I, I've, I've heard discussion about um, you fail the test, let's say, um, let's not say, let's say the pass. No, <laughs> well, but that's the problem. If somebody fails and they're yep. not, historically you don't become a teacher unless you pass it. Correct. 
Um, and it, it was a one-time for a long time test, was it not? Or could you take it a second time? No, you could always take it again. But you um, couldn't teach before then. That's correct, right. So it seems to me one middle ground area would be to allow somebody to get in the classroom after they've failed, but give them some resources to get up to speed on yes. the test. And more, more of, I think, the states that are trying to do things responsibly are looking at those kinds of pilot programs. Yes. So, you know, they've uh, missed by a few points. Um, but they can go into the classroom if they have other recommendations or their GPA was high enough. That's one of the things uh, we've been talking a little bit about is the kind of GPA flexibility along with the, the test. So, you know, some candidates are just not very good test takers. They panic, they get nervous, and they really can't show what they know on the test. So uh, what we've been talking to states about is, well, maybe they have really high GPAs, and if they have a lower practice score, that's okay, or vice versa. You know, you've got someone with a low GPA, maybe they work two or three jobs because they're putting themselves through college, but yet they take praxis and they really show they've demonstrated a lot of knowledge. Okay, they got a high praxis score, maybe a low GPA, that balance itself out. So we've been talking to states about these kinds of different programs so they can get more teachers in, but still provide some sort of uh, middle ground, as you say. I mean, as a consumer of, of public education, I really would love to know about a teacher teaching my third grader who hustled with three jobs to get through and right. maybe they didn't have the greatest GPA. Uh, yours truly did not have the greatest GPA. Look at me. I'm interviewing a big shot go. from ETS. Where, where is that person? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Peter, thank you so much for, for spending yeah. some time with us. I know you've Happy got a lot to. on your schedule today and uh, it's an important topic. It's a timely topic. It's it why is. we do we these need, conferences. We need teachers badly and we want to get them into the classroom just as much as anybody. So we're doing what we can to help out with that. Well, thank you for what you do and thank you for being on the clock and Thanks, we'll talk Tom. to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. On the Clock is part of the Stratagos Podcast Network. To view the entire lineup of shows, please visit us at stratagosgroup.com. See you next time.